today we're going to be talking about how to work with leaders and influence. It's something I know a lot of communicators struggle with and have spoken about and I know it's something Trudy that you're really interested in in terms of the coaching that you do with leadership and also the people that you speak to about influencing. Yeah definitely I think one of the things that is very very important to me is through by consulting through coaching is how we engage our leaders how we engage the people who we serve and a very big problem that a lot of people have is how to be seen how to have influence how to have some kind of impact on the people that that they're working to whether it's a line manager a, a leader and that could be anybody i know in particular in communication we this is a challenge that we have as to how we engage them, how we talk to them. And what we've, what, what's, what's very obvious is that if we don't engage them, we won't find out exactly what they need. We won't be able to serve them properly. So a lot of the problems that we have in terms of delivery actually starts from the fact that we're not having, we're not building relationships. We're not connecting with people in the right way. And as a result, there's, there's this kind of gap. So there's the them and us. And they look at us a certain way. They don't understand what we do. Whether, and, and as I said, it doesn't matter what profession you're in. There's a lack of understanding between your experience of the work and their experience of the work. And until we bring some of that together, there's a real, there's a real kind of gap going on that needs to be filled. And when we look at influence and our, who we are and how we impact people, as we fix that gap, we kind of become more seen we become more visible so there's a huge amount of stuff I've been working on developing a, a model around how people need to have imp impact and influence and all of that is tied into being engaging and genuine and dynamic and effective as communication com communicators because communication is the central point of all of that and I'm sure we'll, we've all got views on that but the but the reality is until we kind of be aware of our own how we're coming across, what we're doing, what we need to do to get in front of those people, we won't see any differences, we won't see any change. And I think the, the very interesting reason why that has to happen is that the skills and the knowledge that we have, the experiences that we have is so important to leadership as they try to make decisions, as they try to lead the company. A company can't be led just from the top, it has to be led from all of the people in it. So until we get our voice in a sense, and are able to kind of influence leadership more, a lot of things won't be delivered. Oh, I've got so many things in my head now. So many things. Yeah. <laughs> um, what the, the first thing that came to my head was, you know, is there like a silver bullet <laughs> for this issue? Which I don't think, I don't think there is. But it also really made me think about one of my own experiences when I was internal an internal communications manager in-house. And I remember somebody coming to me and saying, you'll never go higher up the hierarchy here because uh, essentially of your influence and, you know, how you've kind of set your personal brand out, if you like, here and, and what you've done. I mean, that wasn't true because I became the Grable head of comms. <laughs> but it, it has, it made me think about whether you can, you can change that. Like if you've, if you've struggled with influence, how you change that. And also, you know, what are the, what, I suppose, what's the advice out there for people that might be thinking, I really want to be able to influence more. I haven't done so well in that, bit similarly to how I, how I experienced it. Is there advice that you've got for those people that 
want to kind of change tax and is it doable? I think it's 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 so doable. I coached somebody who was really concerned about that whole thing of the fact that he didn't feel as if to say he was heard. He didn't realize the kind of relationship he wanted to have with leadership. And a big part of that was him being really aware of himself and how he operated. And also the fact that he was making a lot of assumptions. And I think all of us as we work, all of us as we kind of connect with people and so on, we make huge amounts of assumptions about how we're coming across. And because we have assumptions, we don't have the conversation. So the lack of the conversation means that we're not getting a real understanding of how we're being perceived. What was really happening for this guy was that his boss had a lot of admiration for him in a sense. He did hold him in quite high esteem, but he never saw that. He never experienced that simply because he was making assumptions that, oh, I do, I do he doesn't talk to me, so this, that, the other, you know, I'm looked at in this way. He doesn't, in, he doesn't include me, so such and such. But all that was happening from the leadership's perspective was that he trusted him. So because he trusted him, he's like, just get on with it. You don't need me to kind of uh, give, me, give you some affirmation. And I think there's that, for me, I think the biggest thing is actually becoming a bit more self-aware, not being afraid to have those conversations with leadership and, and get in front of them, kind of get involved in them. Because when you when you don't understand where they're coming from, some of the challenges that they're having that's impacting their behaviour, you can't actually, you can't relate. And isn't it, like, you're funny you said about assumptions, and I want to talk about our best friend, Brené, again. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's listening. Uh, so Brené talks about the story that we're making up for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And I think that thing that, that that person said to you, Trude, about assumptions, and I've got a thing about, you know, assuming makes an ass out of you and me. It's a big thing. And I think we, we're all so guilty of that. What our leaders think about ourselves yeah. uh, or think about us, you know, who we are. And we make this story. So Brene talks about this. You know, she says, often as humans, we make this kind of whole scenario up about what's going on in this situation. And we make a massive assumption about this person thinks that we're not good enough to do our job. And we're, you know, we've made a mistake. You know, we've all been in a situation right, where we've been sat in a meeting with a leader and I'm very, like, I'm really into body language. So I read into body language a lot and I, I look at, like, little little ticks and stuff as well that people have because I, I recognise I did a course on it. It's amazing. But I really read into that sometimes. And if a leader kind of twitches at something I say or looks a little bit distracted or is looking at the phone, I just make an assumption that they hate everything I'm saying. And then I'll leave that meeting and I'll say to my colleague or my workmate, oh, well, she or he just doesn't really agree with what I've said. And they've not said that. But I've made this assumption. Then I'll just be like, well, I'm not going to talk about it now because they obviously don't like it and I'm just going to park that idea. But really, you know, if I just... And there's so many lessons I could have learned in my time in my career where I wish I'd gone to that leader and said, can I just ask you a question? Like, what I said in that in that presentation, did it make sense or did it not make sense? Or is there something that I'm missing? Because I know that they would have been like, what you're talking about, it's fine. You know, but we, we kind of create this. And I said to you before that I do believe... And it's only now I'm a bit more confident in who I am. But at the time when I'm growing my career, that I didn't recognise we're all leaders in some aspect. You know, I don't think you need a job title or a fancy job title or anything like that to be a leader. We're all leaders, right? And we're all there to do a specific role. And I and, and Jenny spoke about earlier, you know, before about parent-child thing. I think if we bring ourselves to the level of that respect and be genuine and and speak out loud about the story that we're telling ourselves to that person because Brené advises that right if you look at her research she says go over to that individual and say to them like 
can I just ask you a question? Is this okay? And can you make, help me understand how this is? And having that really open and honest conversation, I think would solve so many challenges and problems we have with leaders at the moment. A lot of people say that, don't that a leader doesn't listen to me and they, they don't know what they're I don't know what they think about me or they don't like me. That's the one I always get when I coach a mentor. Like, I don't think my leader likes me. Well, what are you basing that assumption on? Yeah, but it's funny you say that because then as a counterpoint to that, in terms of influencing, if you're asking all the questions continually of leadership of, what well, you know, did this make sense or how is this? Are you doing yourself any favours in terms of an influencing perspective by constantly asking for reassurance of, is this right? Is this that? Because if you're looking to influence them on a way that is, you know, you know your stuff, you're trying to influence their behaviour or influence something else going on. If you're constantly asking that, are you putting yourself almost in that child position and therefore not allowing yourself to influence? Maybe. And I, and I, don't, and I don't mean like, oh, please, can you give me a pat on the back and love me? Hello, oh, please, I need that recognition. It's more about if you're really doubting that, that if you think that person doesn't like you, my my learning over the years has been just ask them like I'm literally like yeah. so bullshit I'm like have I said something if you really genuinely think in this meeting that the, the presentation you've given out to this leadership team to the board and they've not reacted the way you want I don't think you can afford to make a massive assumption that they didn't like what you said yeah that's they need fair. To, you need to ask them right and if they don't say like sometimes I, I know CEOs and directors and they won't say anything if they think it's okay they are not going to like pat you on the back every time you do something right it's just you've got you're kidding yourself and even though we know they should even though we know they should recognize and say the thank yous and write your little note they're not going to do it like you can we can persuade them and as internal comms we've all done that we've all sat down with the ceo and gone hey listen you know whoever you need to kind of say thank you write it down or you might write it for them whatever but it, they're not going to do it naturally and i think sometimes as an adult and that's what we all are you will have to go and say to them like i did this presentation i didn't really get the vibe but is everything okay did, did it make sense yeah. No, is that is that that conversation I'm talking about more and more about permission? But the question isn't just about kind of validating who you you know whether or not you're liked. It it, it the question very much is also having that dialogue and rapport. So your questions could be anything about like what is the work really about? What were you really saying in that meeting? What did you mean by this? What are some of the challenges that you're having? And these are some of the questions that many of us avoid asking leadership because we feel that we don't have the right to have that conversation. But we do, uh, especially if it's especially if you're doing a piece of work. So countless times I've been in a situation where somebody's subordinate has given me the instructions that they've gotten from a senior leader. And the instructions were third hand and it's been wrong. And then I've, because of who I am, <laughs> I, I've gone straight to the leader and said, okay, I've gotten this from somebody else. I've started to deliver it, but it's clearly wrong. What did you want? What did you mean? And back to our friend, Brené, <laughs> Brené Brown, she mentions in, um, in, Dare, in Daring Greatly, sorry, Dare to Lead, sorry, that the people who, who, genuinely went back to leadership and asked questions of them about the work about what the, the projects they were the people who were favored by leadership they were the people who were seen so showing that bit of vulnerability about the fact that i don't know everything didn't work against them it worked for them so there is something about yes i want to be kind of visible i want to be influential not feeling sorry for yourself and actually stepping in front of leaders and saying, 
gosh, I want, I, I've got a question. I want to have a conversation. Most of the leaders that I have dealt with have been quite open to having conversations with all sorts of levels of people if there's a genuine conversation to be had. And, and that's where the power comes from. That's where you're kind of saying, yeah, I now have some influence because I've come in front of them with something sensible and I've had a chat. Yeah, and for me, it all comes back to that relationship because actually showing that bit of vulnerability in a way that you're not you know, checking in all the time, but having that, is this making sense? Or just what is it that you were really looking for? Those kind of questions is about building a relationship. You can't, you can't really be in a relationship with somebody, I don't think, unless you're willing to show some element of vulnerability. And I don't think we talk about relationships at work and the same way we talk about relationships at home but there are some similarities there around that being open being genuine um you know having a genuine care for each other and wanting to make that relationship work and I do think that 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 influencing piece for me seems to link quite a lot into that as we've been talking that it's actually about wanting to invest in that relationship and bringing two people or however many people together to create something that that's different and I think you can't do that unless you're willing to be a little bit vulnerable I guess and it is more than it's definitely not about being liked anymore and I used to be I used to want to be liked by everybody have this thing it's more about respect now for me like I don't care if you don't like me but you have to respect me what I'm saying and from the work that and what I'm telling you and I think as soon as we kind of move ourselves out from that likability factor I mean it's brilliant it'll be I mean bonus if everybody likes you as well as respecting <laughs> you I'm not saying they would be hated but sometimes we may need to put ourselves in that position where you may not be liked about what you're going to say because people don't like sometimes not being challenged because I always I always I'm a true believer in challenging respectfully uh, it's not about shouting anyone down and I, I I'm like a I I do not react well when someone shouts or gets very emotional uh, about things and I'm all about balance and I think a lot of leaders respect you and like you said Trudy and and, and what that Brené Brown had written is if you speak to them in a respectful way and say like this isn't going to work or I'm not quite sure where you can you help me understand and and, and what, what taught me through this because I don't think it's going to work the way you think it's going to work and they respect you for that I think if you shy away from that challenge because you're worried about not being liked or you're worried that they may think that you're not you know senior enough which is a big one to have that view then that's when you were struggling. I, and I, this is probably my problem when I worked in houses. I don't truly believe in hierarchy either, which is a challenge, right? Because in some traditional organisations, hierarchy is really important. You know, there's, there's this is how kind of like he's the, he or she, sorry, is the chief executive, and that you need to they, they're like the boss and they make the decision. But I I don't really agree with that in that sense because you're there to give your expertise on the work that you're there to do, right? And, you, and as comms, as law, as HR, as finance, whatever your role is, you have been brought into that business for your expertise and they need to kind of respect that. And I don't think it really matters in my view, and, and probably lots of people disagree with me, the hierarchy element, they're there as chief executive and they've got ownership of the operation, that's fine, but you're there as a communications professional and you've got that credibility that you bring with you. So if you recognise that in yourself, I think that should, I think, should help. But you've made a point there about the credibility that you bring into that conversation. Yeah. And I think that that's such a massive part yeah, of, of what we do. And I'm, I can sit here quite comfortably and say that all three of us come with credibility I don't know that that's the case for every single person that works in any industry to be fair because for me my credibility comes from my professional development my investment in myself and all of those things and I do think that part of the reason I did that was because my boss said to me your opinion is not enough in the boardroom 
And that was why I ended up doing the diploma, because I needed something behind me that allowed me to have that credibility. I'm not sure how credible leaders see people in organisations and what their credibility factor might be. Do you know what I mean in terms of what's that criteria? Well, that's tied into trust as well, isn't it? So it's how you've consistently come across... Uh, from my experience, the type that the, the kind of leaders who have always kind of come back have been those who come back because they've seen me be consistent. So I've consistently delivered or I've consistently asked the right questions or I've consistently made sure that they didn't make a mistake. Mm. You know, and whether that no matter what that comes under, it could be an ethical thing. It could be, you know, you've, you've invested time and money in a project actually that's not that's not going to help and being quite honest about it so in a sense the question is also how can we be trusted and what can we what can we do to be more trusted so that there's that credibility mm-hmm. so credibility comes from an ed- obviously educational things like courses diplomas and so on and i've i've definitely done exactly what jenny's done which is you know get that qualification and then bandy it about in front of people <laughs> and say, so see, I'm chartered now. We should all get t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm chartered now, so, so take yeah. that. You know, I, I'm, I'm actually credible. And that's really important to me because I do have that credibility value uh, in me that says I don't want to go into a sector unless I'm qualified. So doing coaching, went and trained, you know, whatever it is. And I think, I think that's the same... Thing with with in, with all individuals it's finding that thing that that will help somebody to trust you and people trust you because you're open you're honest you you're credible obviously you've got the skills and so on and you're you're, you're willing to actually have proper conversation with them without that there's no trust and I think it's important I also think to when we talk about credibility as you were talking then I was suddenly reflecting on the you know the fact that we've done diplomas and chartered and all of those things cost a lot of money mm. and I think I wouldn't want someone again to li- I wouldn't want someone to listen to this and think I can't be credible unless I've got a load of money to invest in myself because I don't think that's fair I think you can do a lot of learning and development in terms of listening to yeah. podcasts and reading Absolutely. and all of that kind of stuff um but I think the consistency piece is really important and mm. you know being I was consistently really hard to work with around our conference <laughs> So I knew that I would every year everyone would know I would be I would be a bit ragey. So I used to buy chocolates for the for the department. It was like it's happening, guys. Over the next four weeks, I'm going to be a nightmare. We know this happens. Here's some chocolate. We're good. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure they enjoyed it, but they did eat the chocolate. So. <laughs> From someone who didn't really have much investment in development in my jobs, in house jobs, I invested in. All the kind of major investment I've done in my development has been through my own funds. And, and I get it, and it's, ex- and, it, and it's expensive, but I do also think a part of you, you need to plan it in. Like I, so I wanted to get chartered. I planned it 18 months in advance. So I saved up for it, right? And I, and I made a plan. And I don't think, and I know it sounds harsh, and it's a bit, you know, sometimes you can use that as an excuse. It's a, it's a cost element. Too expensive for me to do it, but yeah. plan it in. Like, if you know that, I know when I got chartered, Nobody gave a two hoots about some of the qualifications I've done because they didn't really make much difference to them. But in the organisation I worked in specifically, chartership, because I recognised it in engineers, was a big deal. So the day I got chartered, when I went into the office on the Monday and I said to my programme director, 
or I brought cakes in to celebrate my charity because I did that by purpose really a bit cheeky because I wanted everyone to know I got charted <laughs> because it is so I brought cakes in it's always your birthday I said no 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 I um I, I qualified I chatted uh, I, I, I got my chattership on Friday and instantly like Nigel who was my boss at the time was like oh my god that's amazing well done and I'm pretty certain he didn't actually know the element of what the chartership involved but he recognized the terminology yeah. And for me, I knew in the organisation I worked in at that time, chartership and those kind of credentials was really important to my leadership team. So I made the effort of saving up and going to get my chartership. And from that point on, the, the dynamics had changed a little bit for me. And I was suddenly, not that I wasn't heard, I definitely was heard, but a little bit differently. I was kind of on equal par with some of the chartered engineers in the room. Yeah. And people were like, oh, she's chartered, so she must know what she's talking about. And I, you know, and I pride myself and I will never apologise for who I am, because I am very proud of my qualifications and the credibility side. So I get it, it's expensive sometimes, and some people, we can have arguments and discussions about professionalism and chartership and what it's worth, and I've been in many debates online about this as well. But look at your organisation, look at your industry, look at your leadership team, what what is important to them, yeah. and what work, you know, so if you're working in one of these organisations where I knew that chartership was important, or where I knew my masters in marketing was gonna add influence, I made sure that I did those kind of things and it just depends where you want to kind of grow right and I don't think whatever there are there are barriers but I don't believe that I I don't believe that money sometimes can be the blocker and I know that's controversial but you need to plan it in yeah. and it may take you two years it may take you five years but it's like what we said before about prioritizing your spend and that same you know your time sorry you prioritize your spend and I think you just you've got to do what's important too and that's where the credibility factor totally comes in. I, and even with you know not having the funds yourself there there are there's funding out there as well so you know if you're really serious about getting a diploma or getting a further education you can do it you just have to find ways of doing it and as jenny said you know the alternate to that is getting uh reading books reading articles having conversations with people who have done some of these things and finding out more but one of the things I was curious about is, is it about being believable when we talk about influence? How are we believable? How do we come across as being believable? That's a, that is a great question. And, and, and I think I've always been a bit of a believer in, you have to say stuff with conviction. Sometimes whether you know it or not. But I think you know, have, have the courage of conviction. You know, if you're saying something or if you're giving advice, that will often come from your experience. You know, it, it, you, have to, you have to believe in what you're saying. That's about being genuine as well for me. I'm not going to say something or give advice that I don't kind of believe in. But if I say something like, well, maybe could you possibly, you know, maybe let's just think about whether or not we could try doing it this way. You know, that's that's not going to influence somebody. Whereas if I say, if we try this way, this will happen, then you're going to have a very different response to that. And I think it's about how you frame your point with people quite a lot so that you're you're influencing that and and helping them believe that what you're saying is is true. For me, it's definitely data. And I know we're not going to talk about measurement because it is another passion project of mine. <laughs> measurement and data and return on investment is a big thing for me because you need to back that, um, similar to what you just said, Jenny, it's about backing it with data. So gut feelings, 100% believe in them and you've got to go with your gut and sometimes you just know, right? But with some leaders, you need that little bit of an edge and give them the data. 
and say, look, if you do this is if we do this and we do it this way, this is what's going to happen, and the data shows us that, and here's the data that demonstrates where we where it will happen. And I think you know sometimes you may have it, sometimes you might not have it, but if you don't have internal data that can influence that conversation, then I can guarantee there'll be data externally, which is why you need to build your connections and you need to build your network and you need to get involved with other people who don't necessarily work in your business and work outside of your business. And my big thing when I started growing in my career and, and going up the rank is building my network externally and, and becoming the volunteer for the CIPR and being on Twitter and being visible and connecting with other people because I knew that sometimes I will need some measures and I will need some data that would influence my leaders. And I would, I could say to them, and people love competition. Like, I don't know about you guys, but some of the chief executives I've worked with love that competition element. Like if I turn around and said, oh, Richard Branson, <laughs> not, I don't know if he's credible or not anymore, I'm not sure, but Richard Branson did this at Virgin and this is what the impact was. And I actually know someone at Virgin who I can maybe touch base with to find out a little bit more information. That for me, that, that connection with that leader all of a sudden helped that influential, believable she knows her stuff. Mm. You're right. Networking is really important. It, also, what I think is really important is understanding what's in, what's the right message for your leader so that you can be believable and have influence. So you talk about data and bringing data to the table. And that's something we always talk about in, in comms, I think, that, you know, bring the data to the table and it'll be fine. Right? I've had experience where this does not work, <laughs> even with a CEO who is all about data, all about data. And I thought, right, I know they're not really about the people, so I'm going to go in with the data and I'm going to go in with the external reports out there on engagement and why communicating with people is really important because I know they're about data. And I took all this stuff in and it basically just went in the bin and I had to come out of that conversation and think right okay so it's not about data in this one and that's why I had the conversation of what does value mean to you but like you were saying earlier Trudy of having those conversations and in that case it wasn't about the date the data wasn't going to work even though they were a very data-driven person it was about having the conversation of what's important to you and they said it's about risk great, now I can articulate what I'm doing based around that. So it was changing my language and everything I was doing just to match the leadership agenda so that I had influence. I didn't measure anything <laughs> because data didn't make any difference at all. Um, and that's, you know, and that's, but so I think it's, it's finding what's important. Data, I think normally is very important and should always, you know, go alongside any kind of conversation or argument you're trying to have around influence. Yeah. Um, and the external networking, I think, is huge. But it's that conversation piece for me of what's important. What does value look like? Because if you can switch what you're doing uh, in terms of the language and your framing, then your influence will be much higher. Absolutely. But that is what that's the difference. The difference is that you stepped away. You, you've thought about it. Had a little cry. Had a little cry. <laughs> had a little cry. Thought about it. Because you realise that, that that particular thing was not working with that leader. So within the whole conversation thing, it's about that building rapport. If you didn't build rapport, if you didn't ask questions, if you didn't listen to what he was saying, then you wouldn't have reached to the conclusion that you re reached. And I think this is the bit that has to be done. You have to kind of say... It's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to have to go in front of a leader that maybe I don't feel as confident talking to and ask questions and have a conversation about what that person really wants. 
because in a sense they they too have in the back of their minds what they think it should be and what what they think the answer should be so, so you know we come with data and say you should do it this way but they've already got some thinking in their own heads and part of our you know jobs has to be to convince them otherwise because sometimes we know that it's not mm. going to work so it, it's kind of being open enough to say i'll have that conversation i'll change my approach slightly i will probably listen to what he's saying and and he or she is saying and then i will i will address it a different way you can't do that unless you have rapport you can't do that without dialogue yeah. so relationship building probably is the key to influence it's a, it's a big why right and we say that all the time it's like why you just said it you nailed it there jenny in terms of with your chief executive they didn't not that they didn't believe the data, but it wasn't important to them in yeah. that in that situation. Like, so it? what you did after your cry was find out the why. Like, why? Why is yeah. it not important to you? Why? And we don't ask enough questions. We don't ask enough the whys and the why, why are we doing this yeah. way? What's happening here? And it's not yeah. about not knowing. It's yeah. about understanding. Yeah. And it's it's really interesting when I, I tell that story a lot about the going in and asking the question about value. And some people will say to me, yeah, but you're really confident. You know, you're quite happy going in and, and, and asking those questions. I was not at that time. Like, it was a very challenging relationship. I didn't go skipping in there like, so what do we mean by value? Like, I literally sort of walked in like with my head down, you know. I did literally shuffled in wearing probably like navy so that I was like, you can't really see me. I might as well be in mourning. Um, you know, I wasn't having an amazing time time and I think I ha I knew I had to do something yeah. because I think there's a part of a part of me personally that was I can't be beaten here <laughs> like there is a way that I can I can get this relationship to a point where I can do the job that I've been hired to do mm. I've had other experience where I have failed and had to walk away and I think that you have to give for me you have to give it your everything to find a way to build that relationship if you want to invest in that for your career for your future you've got to try everything if you walk away too early then for me you're you're not giving it a good enough try if it's important to you that relationship's important all of those things and you want to influence you have to try every different angle you can well that's why i always say that when and i used to say this a lot when i was internal comms in-house was that we're diplomats yeah and we know how to negotiate yeah. <laughs> because but that was the only way forward and and you know when we say we have influence we don't have influence to look good although that's part of it we have influence because we want to get the job done we want to kind of be successful or we want the organization to be successful so that's the purpose for having influence but then at the same time it's that not being afraid of stepping in. it's like what you said kind of overcoming that fear and saying right i'm stepping in i've got to find out what's really going on here or else i will not be able to do my job now for some you know some will say, do you know what, I can't bother with that effort. But then that means that you're, there's a different result that you're going to end up with. So you just reminded me, actually, that sometimes it's better to lose some battles to win the war. And that's really important because, we, you know, we can really get hung up on winning absolutely every discussion point. And like Jenny said before, you go into a meeting room and they haven't liked your idea or haven't. And that's fine. And I think that's OK. But at least you've made the effort to go in, ask those questions and raise the points and all that. But eventually you will win the war. That's the way I kind of... And someone told me that ages ago and it's always stuck with me. So on that point, I suppose for the guys who are listening and the people listening... 
you said before, and I want to kind of go back a little bit, you said, you know, when I go, I'm one of those people that can get into the chief executive offices and have that conversation. How do you even get there? Like, what top tip have you got to get yourself in front of that leader to have that conversation? It's not always easy. And um, a lot of the times it's, it's just being plain bold because I am, I can't keep quiet. So if something is so impressed upon me that I have to say it, I will become friends with PAs. I will, and, and, and I've done this because I, I think as a matter of course, I tend to be quite friendly with the PAs of the senior people that I have to serve because, and, and you know, in some cases they've been, they've not necessarily been wonderful characters, but you, you put yourself out there and say, look, I'm going to become your friend because there is coming a day when I might have to, I might have to ask your favor. And to be fair, all of them have been amazing at doing their jobs and policing their CEO. But I have kind of made that effort to kind of talk to who I need to talk to, to get to where I need to get to. And that's where I said diplo diplomat, because a diplomat sits there and figures out who do I need to speak to to get that route to the right person who needs to hear this conversation or have this relationship so that I can influence something else. And it's not, a, it's not an overnight thing, it's a gradual thing. So my tip is make friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Love that. And love that. and love don't that. be afraid. Yeah, I love that. And the PA thing definitely for for me, it's definitely finding a sponsor. Sponsorship for me has worked like yeah. really well for me. So I always like some of my best friends even today are like HR directors that I built trust with because HR you know generally have that space in the in the boardroom, and I know that if I have a really good relationship with my HR directors, they will do the talking for me in the room. I don't necessarily have to be there, but they will talk about some of the yeah. good stuff I've done and. The operations director and the um you know whoever whoever you think is going to have that influence and whoever you can connect with so it doesn't necessarily always have to be the chief executive you know or whatever it's, it's finding the right sponsors in the business who will support you and what you're doing and you don't always have to be the visible one so what other tips do you guys have mine is always linked to um being intentional so the more you're intentional about what you're trying to achieve, even if that's I'm intentional about this meeting, you know, and what I want to get out of it, that has, has been really helpful for me because I've always been very clear about my purpose of what I'm doing, even in that conversation. Is this a discussion? Is it a conversation? Do I need a decision? So being very intentional has helped me influence because I've been very clear then in terms of my expectations. And the only other tip I would probably give is about really listening. So listening, you know, we talk about listening to understand, not to reply. And I think... When it comes to influence, you have to you have to really listen to the words, the tone, all the stuff that they're saying when you're having those conversations so that you can respond in a way that is appropriate to that person. Don't just listen to the things that you think you want to hear. I think having giving yourself time to do that is really important. For me, I completely agree with those tips. And, you know, and somebody another thing that somebody told me, people tell me a lot of things. Yeah, we have, you know, one mouth and two ears. And yeah. sometimes we, because we're our brains, I don't know if I'm about anybody else, but my brain works 150 miles per hour. And I'm always trying to think of the response. And we always talk about preempting what they might say. Yeah. But sometimes you need to slow it down, listen, and silence is golden. <laughs> yeah. And I'm rubbish because silence makes me really awkward and uncomfortable. So I try and fill that silence. But sometimes you need to say your piece, yeah. let them reflect, and you walk away and come back at another time. Yeah. And I think that's okay for you to do that and not get too hung up on about filling every single yeah. minute with something to say. Yeah. Say your piece, do your bit, and go. 
I think that's yeah. like, you know, be, what's it? Be bold, be brief, be gone. Nice. Yeah. And I think the, the, the couple that I would mention would be, again, just don't have assumptions. Don't make assumptions. Ask questions. Yeah. Uh, be curious. And in being curious, read widely, because I can't tell you how many conversations I've had about random things with senior people that has led me to be able to have that important conversation that talks about the business. So I would kind of start somewhere random, but it's probably because I've read widely and kind of looks at, I look at lots of different things. Ah, some great tips in well there. I'm hoping people go off now and, and go and smash that um, leadership journey yeah. is that the right thing to say smash, smash it don't smash it no, smashing's you, good nobody wants to I smash think, anybody I think smashing through the influence yeah smash through the smash thank you for listening please click subscribe so you get our new episodes as soon as they're released if you want to reach out, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Calm Edged Rebels. We're always up for a chat. So please let us know what you think and ask us any questions you might want us to cover in future episodes. We're also all on LinkedIn and always available if you want to get in touch.